Benoni Tego is a serial entrepreneur with over a decade of experience building businesses around creatives and influencers. From creating a solid vision and culture, managing talent and teams, to building back-end infrastructure, his work blends the entertainment industry with the startup mentality. Benoni built Issa Rae Productions' foundation and managed relationships with Google, YouTube, HBO, and other platforms. He negotiated brand and digital international content deals and handled all distribution agreements for digital content. Benoni is now the president at Radio, the audio arm of Hooray Media, where he has led the acquisition of music supervision company Bonfire Collective, secured a significant deal with music publishing company Cobalt, secured a label deal with Atlantic Records, and created a sync agency for TV and film. This is Benoni Tego. Benoni, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited. Absolutely. Well, I, I decided to throw on this hoodie. I don't know if you recognize it, but you might. <laughs> oh, I definitely, I actually don't even have that hoodie. So you, you're rocking exclusive. Well, my girlfriend and I, are, our worlds kind of collided. Um, when I filmed the um, Insecure Dinner uh, the following day, my girlfriend, she works for HBO. She ended up going to um, the Insecure event, the, uh, the fest, the festival, excuse me. And so she brought this home. So it was kind of fun to have our worlds collide there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, more to come. We're definitely thinking about some more stuff like it. So stay tuned. Amazing. Well, Benoni, you are currently, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the president at radio, right? That's correct. Your, your term. Okay, cool. Amazing. Well, before we get into all that good stuff, um, I want to start in your early beginnings um, and and what kind of led you into the industry, kind of some of your formative years in, in your early on in your journey. Um, talk about that. I, I think you you're, you're from Vegas, right? Yeah. So I was born in L.A., but I grew up in Vegas and, you know, I was just, you know, in Vegas trying to figure it out. You know, I call myself like a professional trier because I've just always tried try things, you know, just, oh, I hear that this is a new buzzing thing. Let me see how I can get into that. So um, I tried a bunch of different things and eventually I, you know, found the music industry um, and the music industry in Vegas was, you know, very local scene. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they build clicks and, you know, record labels and um, they were, you know, trying to promote the artists that they work with. And I did that for a little bit. And Eventually, I was just like, well, I want to take this to the next level. I was working with a couple artists, but I was like, you know, there's only so far I'm going to be able to get in this current environment I'm in. So I um, I ended up moving to L.A. Um, I went to a school called Musicians Institute. Um, I had a music business program. So um, this was after I had left UNLV, um, where I was studying business management at UNLV. So came to music, Musicians Institute in, in L.A., and I just kind of um, just grinded, man, just like took all the music business classes, sat in the front of the class, like was a resource to my teachers if they needed interns, et cetera. And, you know, eventually that led to an internship uh, with the Jonas Brothers. And I worked with them for a couple of years. And um, after they hired me after my internship, worked with them for a couple of years as their assistant, eventually making my way to their day to day management team. And the rest was kind of history from there. Amazing. I think a lot of people that are in positions that they you know want to be in, it starts with being curious. Uh, and I kind of want to you know touch on that. I just um, had an interview with uh, Simon. He was one of the co-founders of Gold Diggers LA, which is like a studio slash hotel. And yeah. we were we were kind of talking about this about that curiosity that leads you to one thing, then that leads you to another. And it's just like 
you know, the, the journey that you go through always staying curious and being willing to learn will bring you to like so many new opportunities. And I just kind of wanted to hear, you know, it sounds like from, from the, the early days that you were curious and it led you to many opportunities. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never been to gold diggers, but obviously very familiar with it. Um, I remember when they, when they first opened, if I'm not mistaken, I think, um, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I've always been curious. I, um, you know, whether it's my industry or whether it's another industry, I was hanging out the other day with um, a couple of optometrists and I have no, no, um, I have no interest in being an optometrist or being in the medical field, but they were just talking to me about their day to day. And I was incredibly curious and they were talking about, you know, what it's like to start your own practice, what it's like to start your own, you know, where they make their profits from and how they build their patient list. You know, for me, I would call it clients or audience for them. It's patients. That's the funny thing about business. Like you find out really quick that most businesses are the same terminology is different, but like the, the fabric of what makes good business work is all the same. So yeah, I agree. You got to be curious and you got to ask questions. And, you know, the reason I think radio has been has done so well is because, you know, we came in and we kind of challenged the status quo of like, these are how things were done before, but these are how things are going to, these are how we're going to do things. And we've always asked the question of, okay, well, why were they done that way before? Is that the most effective way? Is that the most profitable way? We always ask those questions. And if we find that there's another way to do things, then we we try to go after it. And that's also what sets you apart in industries too, is instead of just like creating a company, building a company and falling in line and just riding the wave, you know, when you enter a space, like you said, that, that leads to innovation, you know, what things can be done more efficiently? How can we, um, you know, be more unique in our approach to these things? And I mean, you guys are, have done a great job at initiating that innovation with radio. Before we get into that, uh, and before radio was was started, you actually worked a lot with with Issa, Issa Ray, um, and you were doing a lot of product early production stuff. Um, talk about that and how you guys met and what led to the formation of that relationship early on. Yeah, I mean, that relationship has been a relationship of innovation, my relationship with Issa Ray. I mean, you know, started working with her when she was working on Opera Black Girl. And I just came in and said, I see what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. And here are some things that I could bring to the table. And a lot of that was just social media stuff, early business development things of just trying to figure out ways to leverage and uh, build the brand outside of just content. Um, so that was always kind of my thing of just like, okay, you're going to do the on-screen stuff. Let me figure out what I can do around that, you know? IP at the time I didn't really understand IP but at the but it was really just an IP play like in the same way that Disney will take a character and then find 50 different ways to like monetize that character that's essentially what I was doing and I just didn't know it um but yeah that that relationship has just been about like constantly challenging the status quo and and constantly trying to do things differently um and it's been a great ride you know we started off on on um on YouTube with the web series Aqua Black Girl and that led to a bunch of other web series and then that eventually led to TV and then that eventually led to being in the music industry. Um I had a background in the music industry so it kind of just worked out when we were able to transition into that. So it all, all just kind of came together in the right way. Amazing. And I think you know one of the main things that I'm trying to accomplish with this uh this podcast is have it you know, be educational, but also informative too. And I think having people on like you who have been through um, 
you know, that startup life or being an entrepreneur and understanding what it takes. Um, you know, you're only as good as the information you have. That's one of my favorite quotes. And, uh, you know, when you build upon inf more information and, and experience and you almost kind of fail forward, um, more opportunities come. Do you want to maybe talk about some of those early things that you learned as an entrepreneur going through, you know, working for, it essentially was maybe you could call it a startup at the time, just because you're, you might be wearing a lot of different hats, doing a, a lot of different things. Um, but what were some of those early failing forward moments for you? Well, anytime that you start off with like, you know, a company that has never existed before and you're starting off new and then you're also trying to be groundbreaking, you're always going to be bumping your head because you're going to be trying to do things that the industry is going to tell you, oh, well, that's not how we do things. Or the industry is going to tell you, um, no, you should think about it differently. Or quite frankly, the industry might not have respect for you to be able to, you know, do the things that you want to do. So a lot of it is trial and error. And a lot of it is being steadfast about this is what I can't I set, set out to accomplish. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to let anything stop me. Now, granted, you're going to have things that are going to be blockers in your way. And you got to find ways to go around those blockers. You know, sometimes you go through them. Sometimes you go over them. Or sometimes you got to pivot completely. But the, as long as you kind of know what your end goal is and where you're trying to go, you know, those things no longer matter. I think, you know, early on we had, people that were trying to tell us like what type of content we should be doing or better yet we had content that was very successful and then they would say oh you know yeah that's successful to a certain level but in order to scale it in order to make it bigger then you need to do xyz and you have those things where you have to like say no you know we're believe we believe in what we're putting out and we're going to continue to put this thing out so you know it's kind of a it's an ongoing thing. And to be quite honest, you know, now, even with radio and, and how big the company is now, radio or Hooray, our parent company, there's still a lot of the same battles. Now, you know, the stakes are higher now. The money is bigger. Um, the implications are a lot uh, more uh, more stringent. But at the end of the day, we still deal with the same things from when we were on YouTube to now we're in the big leagues, you know. Totally. And I think a lot of young creatives out there, they always might wonder, you know, what that might look like for them if they're, you know, creators or they're filmmakers, um, you know, or even musicians looking for a label. What was that transition like for you and Issa and the rest of the team going from YouTube uh, and then getting a deal, you know, with with HBO and having them distribute it um, on their platform? What was that transition like for you guys? Well, it was really a transition. One, it took a forever, you know, like from the time that you saw Insecure on TV to the time that we sold it, it was like five, seven year process, you know. So it took a very, very long time. But, you know, again, once you start getting success, things start happening faster because they're like, oh, you're proven now. But when you're not proven and you're coming and you DIY something, they're like, well, yeah, we know that you could DIY it, but can you take it to the next level? And some people can, and some people can't, and that's just the harsh reality. So, um, you know, that process was constantly educating um, ourselves, but then also educating people on the other side of the table. Like, this is what we're capable of. This is what we bring to the table. This is how we think about things. And these are our goals and our plans. Like that education process never goes away. I find myself educating people on radio all the time because there's a lot of things that we're doing that just have not been done in the industry before. You know, the way that we think about writing camps, the way that we think about soundtracks, the way that we think about music supervision, 
the way that we think about partnering with brands, it's all very different. So, you know, in those early days, it's, you know, one, doing good work, but then two, constantly educating yourself and the other side of the table of like what you bring to the table. Yeah. And the innovation that comes with radio too, like you had mentioned, you guys do writer camps, um, you partner with with brands to do collaborations, you're hosting events, um, but you're, you also have like a, a roster of, of artists. Uh, how did you, at what moment did you personally say, Hey, you know, I want to get into this. I have this past experience. Um, you know, the talk about maybe the formation of radio and, and what led to, um, you know, signing artists, having a team of music supervisors and ultimately, um, you know, working with, uh, studios like HBO to help them with their creative process as well. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we started off as a content company, right. Or, as a company that was putting content out on YouTube. And then we, you know, leveled up and we started doing stuff on HBO and we became a production company where we started doing TV and film projects. And it came down to a point of, we saw how much money we were spending on music. We saw how impactful the music was that we were placing in shows like Insecure, where we will place a song and that artist, their streams would go up, you know, their notoriety would go up, their opportunities would increase. And so we're like, oh, there's an there's actually probably a strategic way, a business like way that we can get into uh, that we can get into the, the music business or the audio business, as we call it. Um, and for me, it was kind of seamless because all my relationships were in music being how I came. You know, I've tour managed, I've managed artists, I've been an assistant. I've done it, a lot of different things in the music industry. So for me, it was like, OK, well, I understand the TV and film side of the business. I can create something new on the on the audio music side that can complement it. And that was really the early thinking of just like, there's money that we're leaving on the table. There's opportunities that we're giving to others that we can give to ourselves. So let's just create a company that can be all encompassing and can do that. And that's why we created radio and called the Audio Everywhere Company because we wanted to be a 360 brand essentially. Yeah, and a lot of people too might, see the industry as, oh, you hire and outsource a lot of other people. But when you keep it in the family like that, when you have a team uh, of people that understand the business and you can keep it internal, uh, everyone's always on the same page. You know, sometimes obviously everyone wants to have great clients and, and work with certain agencies when they, you know, when, when the opportunity comes up. But for you guys, it seems like you guys run a tight ship, you know how these things work. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the content that you produce and it's all really great. Um, I mean, Insecure, obviously one of the most successful HBO shows, um, Issa, you know, being a great writer. And like I said, you guys just on an executive level too, it seems like you guys have a, uh, a system. Why, why music, you know, for you personally, for, for Benoni personally, why, like what, you know, struck a chord with you early on with, with music? Was it like certain artists that you listened to that inspired you? Or, you know, I'm just curious with you personally, uh, what got you into the music side? Yeah, well, growing up, you know, some of the more successful people that I saw were in music, you know, on TV, you know, I, I have, um, I'd say, I like to say I didn't sometimes have like a lot of overly successful people that were around me growing up. And so, you know, some of the people that I looked up to, some of the people that I was influenced by were art, were, were business people in music. So like your P. Diddy, your Dave Dash, you know, P Steve Stout, people like that. 
I looked up to and I was like, oh, I want to be like them. It just so happened that they were in music, right? They could have been in TV and film. They could have been in a myriad of other industries, but they were in music. So I said, oh, I like what they do. I feel like I can be that as well. So that is ultimately why I chose music. I mean, obviously, you know, music drives the world and, you know, music travels further than any other medium um, or any other form of entertainment. Um, in my opinion, I don't have the stats to prove that, but I would I would venture to say that that's probably the case. And so you, you can even enjoy music that that you don't speak the same language, but you're still moving to it, and that's like the universal language of of music. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, like I mean, Bad Bunny, like the streaming stats that he got for this year is like he's killing it, and his audience is you know across the world, you know. Um, but yeah, so for music, it was just something that kind of happened naturally, and then. When I got into it, I realized that the music industry was a, was a space that was just had ample opportunity to innovate because, you know, once a company in music gets successful at one thing, then they just like double down on that and they just dive as deep as they can and be in, in that thing. And so when you start becoming successful and then you start deep diving into whatever your lane is, whatever your vertical is then you don't really need to innovate because you're making X amount of dollars per year. And that X amount of dollars per year is, is, is what is, is your, your ultimate goal. So, you know, for me, I got in and I was like, Oh, there's an opportunity to innovate. And really I'm a business person. I'm an innovator. So I love being in a space where I just get to bring new things to the table and, and work on changing the industry as a whole. So with, with, uh, Artists who, you know, may be looking for a deal or wanting to elevate their music, um, what is appealing to getting your music played on TV or a movie or getting placements there versus taking the route of getting signed to a label, touring, playing shows? Are there any, like, are they both similar in a way or like, how do those differ? You know, are, are there some artists that specifically gear their work to be placed there or like, how does that, how does that world work? Yeah, I mean, it's all of the above, you know, there's some artists that are strictly just looking to be the biggest artist in the world. And, you know, to be the biggest artist in the world, a lot of times you need a label because you need funding, you need the resources that a label can provide. But then on the flip side, you have some artists, I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday, randomly, that was telling me about an artist that is making like six figures a year just because they strictly focused on their music um, for sync purposes. And so they've signed up with a, with a company that has a library and a library is basically where, um, you know, there's these companies that just build music for TV and film and a, a producer or, or a network or a studio will just go to that, that company and say, Hey, we need this type of music. And they will pull from it. There's some artists that are specialized in making that mute that type of music for TV and film. And this artist, like on their Spotify, they're not really making that much money. But because they're doing this custom bespoke music for this library, they're making, you know, high high six figures, you know, or I wouldn't say high six figures. I'll, I'll say, you know, mid to average six figures, right? So which is um, incredible. <laughs> which is incredible, you know, especially especially if you consider I put my music on Spotify and I'm not making any money, but I'm able to go and do sync stuff and I'm making a lot of money. Like, that's great. You found, you found a career and you found a lane for yourself. Um, so it kind of varies on what that person's end goal. Some people want to do both. Some people want to do one or the other. It just depends case by case. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because you, you know, as an artist, um, culture, the way culture drives, um, the way people think, I think a lot of sometimes artists might have like imposter syndrome or they might feel afraid to 
um, get into that space because, you know, they're not getting enough plays or they need to look a certain way. And so I think, you know, hearing you say that people are out there um, with minimal Spotify plays, but they're making six figures through sync and placements, whatever it may be like, that's, that is, that's incredible, you know, and, and there are different avenues that artists can, can take to, um, you know, do what they love and, and get their work out there. Obviously, you know, any artists it's, it's, a uh, uh, it's difficult. It's always going to be difficult to get your work to break or break through or, or get noticed. Um, uh, but I think mm -hmm. it's great that there are those, you know, avenues to, to, um, make money from, from your work. I'm just super curious on, uh, music supervision and, and licensing. Do you guys strictly work with, like, how does that work in the sense that you're working with these production studios or an HBO? Um, do they come to you for certain shows or do you reach out to, to studios to say, Hey, we have this artist or we have this song. I think it would feel or go great with the script or the scene. How does that work? Yeah, it's both. You know, we we've built up a reputation to where, you know, if they have a project, they'll come to us and say, hey, we think that you all will be great for it. And a lot of times it's because of a project that we've done that may be a similar genre or, you know, similar uh, soundscape. So they're like, oh, we, you did that project. So we believe you can do this project. So sometimes that and then it's other times you hear about a project, you see something posted on Variety or Deadline or, or Instagram. And you're like, that sounds like a really cool project. And you'll find out who are the um, the leads for that project. And then you reach out and say, hey, you know, it might be an introduction to yourself and your company, or it might be they know you and you say, hey, you know, we work together on this other thing. Let's work together on this new thing, you know? So it could be either or. Um, there's really no rhyme or reason of how it goes. But I think the bottom line is, is that you have to have, you know, quality work, good work, because, you know, in this industry it's all about reputation and if you don't have the right reputation then you know the the cold phone calls and the cold emails don't happen yeah and it also gives you the opportunity to let the work speak for itself too you know if you cold email or dm and reach out and you know they ask to see you know what other projects you've worked on or what you've read i mean that was kind of a struggle that i uh had early on in like 2017 when i was starting off being a videographer um I knew that if I was going to cold DM or cold whatever without any prior work, that's going to be really hard. That's going to be a tough, you know, to, to have people trust you. And so I used to hop fences at um, uh, at music festivals and sneak backstage or make little side deals with the um, security to get back there and shoot, you know, photos of the artists and the lineup and stuff like that. And then put together zines to um, pretty much establish like my own work and make it seem like, oh, I got hired, but really I just hopped the fence. And then eventually when I did that, um, people started to see the work and then hired me. So I think that that's such an important thing for, for people to understand is, um, you know, obviously you can have great networking skills, um, but at the end of the day, people are going to want to see the work and, and let it speak for itself. And, and obviously with the reputation that you have too, with radio and, and even just the, the artist roster, um, go into to that. Like, who are you excited? Obviously you're probably excited for the whole team, but you have artists like um, Josh Levi, for example, who was just nominated for uh, a Grammy. Uh, I'm sure that's pretty cool to see Crazy. people signed to radio, um, getting experience like that. Yeah, no, I mean, Josh is, Josh is someone that, you know, we believe in all of our artists, but um, Josh is someone that we're really excited about working with. Um, um, incredibly talented incredibly talented and you know when you get a recognition like the grammys like that's like the creme de la creme especially for our industry like oh you know i've been doing the work and now i'm getting recognition so 
excited to see, um, you know, continue to develop Josh and see where that goes. And then, you know, we have Incognita, who's another amazing artist that we're working with on our team, who just released a project a couple months ago. I love um, her music. <laughs> she's yeah. a, she's great. Yeah, I love it too. She's like, I see her posting things like freestyles that she does. And I'm like, yo, we, we picked a good one. And then we have Timar, um, who's just an incredible songwriter, just an incredible soul. Um, and she's, you know, currently working on her project that'll come out early 2023. So yeah, you know, we have a roster of some incredible people. We we just did a Google program where Google helped fund a couple of artist projects. And then now we had Dre Jack and Jay Stevens. And they came out with incredible projects as well. So, you know, we're just excited about continuing that momentum. Amazing. Well, it, it is a great team too, even on the back end within, um, you know, your, uh, the people that work for radio, uh, just super great people to work with. Um, and yeah, I, how do you feel about like the, the roster, like growing? Are you guys focused on maintaining the roster or are you, are you guys wanting to grow eventually? What does what the growth of radio look like right now? Yeah, I mean, on the talent side, we'll continue to to develop the talent that we currently have. Um, we're looking at a couple signings um, early next year. Um, you know, we're we want to continue working with artists. Like, there's there's so much opportunity that we have and that we're providing that we just need talent to be able to plug into those opportunities. Um, so, on the talent side, we're continuing to nurture and develop, and then we're looking at some new things. And then, you know, on the rest of the radio business, on the music supervision side, we're looking to take on more projects. You know, we want to grow the company. Like every year we've we've um, had significant growth year over year. But I think, you know, 2023 is going to be the year where it kind of all comes together. I think we have the right staff in place. Obviously, you could always get more more hands, bodies and minds in place to help continue that vision. But I think we're at a good place. So we're just excited to keep to keep it going. Cool. And one of the things I wanted to touch on too is you guys do these um, writer camps uh, for artists. And I think that uh, anything in life uh, requires practice, anything that you want to put hours into and get better at. Um, but not only just that, but also surrounding yourself with people that are better than you to to challenge you um, that you could learn from. And I think that you know, for example, basketball, you know, you can, you can go by yourself and shoot hoops for a, you know, a few hours by yourself, practice free throws, but where the real practice happens is when you're scrimmaging versus other players. And I think it probably works the same with singers and artists and writers. Um, when you're surrounded by very talented people, it'll help you naturally get better and, and you can learn from other people that, so this writing camp that you guys do is, is super interesting. I, I, it's great for that community. Talk about that and, and what you guys are, are you know achieving with that. Yeah, we, we have um, writers camps um, that we call camp radio where essentially, you know, we'll start to, we'll have in that over the weekend, like usually it's like a two or three day period, we'll create music for a project that we're working on. So we did this for Insecure. We also did this for Rap Shit. And we'll bring people in and we'll say, hey, you know, uh, we, we're going to set up this room, this studio, and we're going to, we want you to create music that's about friendships, or we want you to create music that's about breakups. Right. And in that room, we, we give the people the briefs and sometimes we give the artists the briefs and sometimes we'll show them, you know, the scene that they'll be writing for just to give them inspiration. And, you know, they'll just go in there and they'll start cooking. So you have, you know, a songwriter in the room, you'll have a producer or two in the room, multiple songwriters, you'll have multiple artists and they'll just work on creating, um, you know, a sound or music for that scene. Um, 
you know, we have um, an open bar as well. So, you know, it has a little bit of a party event atmosphere to it. Yep. Um, and then at the end of the day, we also give awards to the MVP, like songwriter, MVP, you know, producer and MVP artist. So um, we're looking to continue that. We've done, you know, about four or five um, over the course of a couple of years, but we're looking to do more soon. Well, I love it. Um, we're obviously at the end of the year, uh, you know, approaching the end of December here, which is insane. <laughs> um, but what are some things you know, look that you're looking forward to in 2023, whether it be with radio or other ventures. Um, what are some some goals that you have with the company? What are some things that you'd like to see happen in the new year uh, and where that energy is going to be directed? Yeah, I think, you know, really next year is really going to be about optimizing radio in terms of radio. Like I think, you know, over the past couple of years and especially this year, we've shown what we're capable of and you know, what we can bring to the table. And now it's just about being bigger and being the best in class at, at the different things that we do. So I'm hyper-focused on that, on just being best in class and like really like being strategic and thoughtful about our next steps. Um, the artists that we work with, I want to continue to raise their profile. I want to, you know, continue to have success with them. You know, like I said, Josh Levi getting a Grammy nomination. Great. Now let's win one, you know, let's get more nominations. Let's get increased streams across the board. Uh, let's take on more music supervision projects. So I'm looking forward to a year of growth um, and really just continue to solidify ourselves in the music industry as like a power player. I love it. Well, Benoni, I'm, I love radio. I love everything that you guys do. And, um, you know, for, for those of you listening, if you haven't already, check out their their roster of artists, super talented. Like I said, Incognita is um, super dope. I actually saw her open up for, for Josh and we were filming in San Francisco. Um, and you know, they always say whether you're performing in front of 20 people or, you know, 20,000, that, that old quote there, uh, you always got to bring the energy. And I think that everyone within, um, the radio camp definitely brings the energy. So, um, I'm stoked for you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time today to, to chat and, uh, you know, cheers to another successful year of wins with radio and, and everything that you guys are doing. No, thank you. And congrats on the new podcast, man. I love, always loved your insight, your thoughts. So I'm excited to see where you go with this. Thank you so much. We'll have to do a part two uh, halfway through next year to see where we're at. <laughs> love it. All right, Benoni, thanks so much. No problem. Take it easy.